It's time for JT the Brick. Welcome in to our brand new coverage. We need to come in hardcore. Raiders got a bunch of guys. Back in the old days, they had legends. He gets the Raiders. He understands the Raiders. He's going to be a great Raider. Well, show it to me. No penalties. The only holes that I see on this team are linebackers. There's going to be some moments this year that are going to be top sledding. Okay, one of them could be now. I got it all for you. Keep it PG. No, never happened. I'd like to get this show going the way I know how to get the show going. Our standard is high. We're coming. It's time to fire this thing up. What the hell are you listening to? Who are you getting this garbage from? JT the Brick. Hey, look at me. I'm the needy radio guy. Gimme, gimme, gimme. We are ready to rock. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Are you with me? One guy kind of throws the fuel into the fire. So sound off like you got up here and get going. Use the phone like a weapon. We need to leave a wake of destruction. That's all I had this week for you. And now, Raider Nation Unite! Here's JT the Brick. Welcome in, JT, as we get going Friday, on a beautiful Friday here on Raider Nation Radio. Heading into the Detroit game on Monday, so a lot to get to. The conversation with the head coach coming up this hour, plus Lincoln Kennedy in the great segment. And it's great because of Lincoln. I defer to Lincoln because we do Raiders Roundtable every Tuesday. This week we did it Wednesday, and we'll play the segment with Lincoln coming up as Lincoln lets it fly and a nice announcement with Lincoln Kennedy at the end of it. So I think you want to stick around and listen to that in its entirety. Eddie Pascal joins me every other week. Q Myers, the every other week. So we got a nice combination going with all of that. Uh, Before we get to the head coach interview, a couple of quick things here. Big weekend for the Raiders, as we discussed all week. This was a very intense week here on our flagship station. A lot of people looked at that game in Chicago and were tremendously disappointed. I think I speak for a lot of people, but not everyone, of course not, that the Raider fans that I met in Chicago were very concerned about the team coming into the game and coming out of the game. They were super disappointed because it just didn't look like they had any juice which was the word, any juice going into that game. Whatever it was, I was there. I don't think it was jet lag. Raiders got there 9 o'clock early on Friday. Plenty of time to set up with the standard of time there. That was not a problem at all, and I was on the field after the pregame for warm-ups, and everybody was riding high. Everyone looked good. So you don't know what happened in that game. Chicago, you tip your cap. Tyson Bajan played better than Brian Hoyer. They won that game. They deserved to win the game, and we've moved on for Detroit. Detroit's coming off a very humbling loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Maybe the best performance this entire year by a quarterback, and there's been some good ones. But what Lamar Jackson did to the Detroit Lions was incredible to see. I went back and watched the game, and that was one of the games where you see get out of hand quickly, three three and outs for the Detroit Lions, and then Baltimore scores on those three drives, and they could never get going. On top of that, Baltimore's very good on defense. Baltimore is very good on special teams, and they got Lamar Jackson, who can run for a touchdown, which he did, but he can throw. He can make every throw. My podcast partner, Looney, made a good point about Lamar Jackson. They never show his throwing touchdowns. They love to show him running. Very weird. They always show his running touchdowns, and they never give him credit for making plays with his arms, and he was better than Jared Goff last week. He's a tremendous asset there, but Goff... Goff's body language was weird because once he couldn't get back into that game, he wasted the second half of that game playing. He could have got injured. He didn't. He wasn't going to win the game and was in the game. And they tried to give it a shot, and Detroit just has to chalk that up to a bad game. The circumstances completely went against the Detroit Lions. 
in their most recent game, which I think should be encouraging for all of us. We should be encouraged by that because you are what you put on tape. And the last game that the Lions put on tape, they were god-awful. They were terrible. And Lamar Jackson was that good. But going back to the Raider game, this week we took a lot of calls. We had a lot of big guests. It was a really good week for us here on the channel and all the shows. Our morning show, Q show, everybody, Lindsay, Vinny, Clay, everything that we're doing here, we're trying to do our best work in adverse times. And what the Raiders have to do is come out in Detroit and play faster with a sense of urgency. You know, I always use that term that Dave Ziegler likes, explosive players and disruptors, because that's a common word around Henderson here at the facility. But at this point, I just like to see a sense of urgency and a faster paced game. If the disruptive players don't disrupt, and that would be Max Crosby or that would be Robert Spillane, or depending what happens in the secondary, if they don't have disruptive games, that's okay. Just play to the best of your ability and play faster and play there with a sense of urgency. I want to see the sense of urgency game on Monday night in Detroit because it's an important moment, I think, for this organization, this coaching staff, this group of players, that they got to show that they can get up off the mat. I use boxing terminology a lot on this show. When you get knocked down, you got to get up. When you get knocked out, you got to come back and train for the next fight. In the NFL, you know, you only have a few days to do it. This week, an extra day. In boxing, if you get knocked out, you don't fight for another year. Some of these guys fight once a year or every six months or eight months. Not in the NFL. The Raiders got knocked out in Chicago. They got to get up off the mat, and they got to get ready to throw a knockout punch to the Detroit Lions. So what we tried to do this week, and you'll hear it coming up with the coach, and listen to the very end of our conversation on the sense of urgency comment, the Raiders have to find a way to start fast and not get tripped up with down and distance. They only had two penalties in the game, which is encouraging, but they didn't play great on defense. So I don't know how important that number is. But on offense, they didn't have the false starts, the pre-snap penalties which is a good thing. Getting Jimmy Garoppolo back is huge because Jimmy now has to play great here on out if he wants to keep his job. I don't see a path where Jimmy can be in Vegas long-term if he doesn't play well in the next four or five games. I'm just telling you the truth. I hope Jimmy's here for two or three years and his contract is set up in a certain way where the Raiders can move on to a young quarterback in the draft or go completely to Aiden O'Connell, the fourth-round pick. I want Jimmy to make it here and be here for a long time. I think he gives the Raiders a good chance to win. But the clock has got to stop, start in this game. This has got to be the beginning of Jimmy G showing improvement, showing how comfortable he is in the system, taking chances, playing faster, and playing with a sense of urgency. Will this be the game on Monday night? So on Monday, uh, Q will be on in my slot. I'll go right into the pregame show. We'll do that from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center after the game. I'll be on the post-game show on Monday, and then all our shows get pushed back a week from Raiders Roundtable to everything that we're doing. Uh, Raiders Press Conference Live will be on Tuesday instead of Monday. Roundtable on Wednesday instead of Tuesday. And then we'll get ready for the New York Giants. You know, I grew up as a young kid, as a Giant fan. I'm with the Raiders, been with the Raiders 25 years. There's no decision. I'm all in. With the Raiders, I know people scratch their heads, some friends, really? Yeah, all in on the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. But the Giants were the team of my youth. There's going to be a lot of Giant fans coming to town. And there's going to be some New Yorkers who stay the entire week and stay for the Jet game, too, with all the concerts and everything building up. And then we have F1 right around the corner. 
This weekend should be good. There's a lot of concerts. Ed Sheeran, I'm going to Saturday night. Excited about that and friends and family in town again. But I want to get back to football. And here he is, the head coach of the Silver and Black, who I interviewed yesterday at the Raiders facility. We welcome in head coach Josh McDaniels. And coach, I just saw at your press conference, you talked about the players understanding tackling and how you're working on it coming off the Bears' loss. What do you emphasize this week? Yeah, really effort to the ball, you know, and then obviously leverage. Um, understanding where our help is. You know, sometimes that's the sideline. Sometimes it's another defender. Um, but really you got to do a good job of putting yourself in the right position first. Um, and then we obviously can't tackle, you know, a lot in practice. But, you know, we'll do some things relative to drill work, you know, where we get to the legs again and we call it python, python tackle, really yeah. squeeze the blood out of the, out of the legs. We've got to do a better job of that this week for sure. I'm looking back at that game and getting to the ball. But you always talk about chasing the score when you get down early, and that's yeah. been an issue so far this year. You're trying to start fast. Devontae got a lot of targets, but getting behind early really changed the game plan, especially rushing. Yeah, you know, they were able to run the ball, and, and really were, were never able to kind of put their young quarterback in a, in a situation where he was chasing us, mm-hmm. you know, and had to sit in the pocket and make a bunch of reads and, and throw the football in those critical situations and downs. So, um, you know, anytime you fall behind, you lose control a little bit of the line of scrimmage, lose control of the score, and then you kind of end up getting too one-sided relative to throwing the football. So certainly an emphasis this week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Only two penalties in the game. What was the emphasis coming in, especially the pre-snap ones in the past, the offensive line communication? Yeah, we're, we're trying to cut down on that. Obviously, we know those things are uh, self-inflicted errors that hurt us, and um, I think our players are really taking some of those things to heart and really trying to cut back on that, mm-hmm. um, which which helps us avoid long yardage situations offensively uh, and easy first downs on defense. So um, hopefully we can continue to play penalty free. Lions had an interesting game on tape. That game got away from them early. Three mm-hmm. touchdowns early by Baltimore. They were chasing and they just couldn't get back into the game. Kind of a bizarre situation when you look at all their great tape and yeah. what we saw what they did last week. Yeah, they, they're, they're uh, usually a team that tries to get off to a fast start, and they have a yeah. lot this year, and uh, that's been a key to some of their success. So, um, you know, being ready to go early for us this week is going to be important. We know it's going to be a hostile environment. Uh, it should be a great atmosphere, but we're going to need to play well early on you know, all three phases here to go ahead and get control of this game. Well, as we're assuming, and we don't know, and we'll find out later in the week with Jimmy Garoppolo, it feels like Jimmy versus Goff is an interesting matchup here. It's a whole team effort here, but go, let's start with Jared Goff and what you've seen, especially you said early in his career with the deep throws and now yeah. how he's more precise. Yeah, he's really matured. Uh, I think, you know, early in the year, early in his career, he had a lot of, you know, explosive plays with L.A. and, um, you know, and that was the way they kind of made their hay. And now you see him now, and very rarely does he make a mistake. He doesn't turn the ball over much. Uh, he's very efficient uh, with, with what they do. And um, he's aggressive when it's time to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. And he's very smart otherwise, you know, and right. takes the profit. So um, just a guy that's going to, you know, pre- presents a challenge to you. You've got to be patient, got to be disciplined. Um, we've got to protect a deep part of the field, but you're, you're also going to have to try to, you know, continue to stick with it here because he will, you know, he'll, he'll nickel dime you a yeah. little bit if you do that too. So um, we're going to have to mix it up, um, keep it moving a little bit on them, try to create some negative situations as best we can and put them in some, some long yardage downs. The physicality of St. Brown as a receiver on the outside, who is he comparable to? Big guy, can make yeah. a deep ball catch, but also likes to go across the middle. Yeah, he does. Um, you know, he's kind of, there's a Golden Tate element to him. Okay. He's very tough. Mm-hmm. Um, hard to tackle uh, when he gets the ball in his hands like a running back, you know. And uh, but he's but he's one of the league leaders in contested catches. 
Uh, he's not a super tall guy, but that I think that tells you all you need to know about Goff's confidence and throwing the ball True. to him in coverage. Um, and he'll fight for it. You know, he's got great hands, and um, he's really learned in a short time in his career how to be a savvy route runner uh, to create space and separation. I was fascinated by what you said in an earlier press conference about their defense and how they play zone and their linebackers are looking for certain things. Yeah. If you can't get the run going or if you don't protect the pocket, let's talk about that. Yeah, they, they, there's usually seven guys with vision on the ball mm-hmm. you know, because they're all seeing the quarterback. And, so, um, and, I, and I think the best zone teams always have a chance to see the rush as well and feel how close it's getting to your passer. And if they feel that the, the rush is about to get there, then they go ahead and they start getting a little bit more sticky um, and be more aggressive you know, to try to get where they think the ball is going to go. So they've been very opportunistic in the secondary they got a lot of guys with good hands mm-hmm. uh, they've taken advantage of some offensive mistakes and most of those are because they play good zone defense so we wrap this up I was looking at the AJ Cole numbers historically mm-hmm. the net punting average and what he's doing over 40 years this mm-hmm. is getting very unique with him and a big weapon you're going to need in that environment indoors on a Monday night to kind of pin them back and make them earn it yeah it's tremendous um, production you yeah. know and we talked. We've talked to our team. And that's the best play we have. You know, mm-hmm. we we, ne- we don't we don't put the yeah. offense out there and gain forty eight yards or forty nine yards per pop. You know, and so you know if it, if the possession ends with a kick, uh, we have confidence in our kickers. That's for sure. And AJ's done a great job all year of pinning the the offense, the opponent's offense mm-hmm. back deep, and and putting our defense on a long field. And that's part of a big part of playing complementary football is trusting your kicking game to do that. Coach, I want to end with Jimmy. I talked to him in Chicago, and he's really upbeat to get back when he gets back. How comfortable is he now to just let it fly and kind of carry the team and get the offense going faster and just play explosive football the way he has in the past? Yeah, I think there's some urgency from all Mm -hmm. of us, you know, and you feel it from Jimmy, you know, so – um, he's got a, he's got an extra pep in his step this week. Uh, you can tell, and uh, we'll be excited to get him back there on the practice field today. Thank you, Coach. You got it. Thank you. Thanks again to Josh McDaniels for joining us. At the end, you could tell there is a sense of urgency. Before the microphones go on, we talk shortly, and afterwards we just say goodbye, and I wish him good luck, and he walks out of the room. And I could just tell there was something a little bit different in this conversation. I hope it's a positive I think there is a sense of urgency. How could there not be? Everyone around Raider Nation knows how important this game is going to be. So go out and win it. No excuses. I don't hear excuses coming in. But I want to see the Raiders play a better brand of football that is more entertaining, uh, more intense, faster. I keep saying that, right? In uh, eight minutes I've been talking pretty much, and then you add on the coaches nine minutes or so. Everything we're doing here is about urgency. I don't know why the urgency comes in week eight. And we didn't see it in week two or week four or week six. Last week in Buffalo, week seven, I don't know where the sense of urgency is, but now there's no other hope but a new football team trying to save the season. To get to four and four would be unbelievable. Three and five would mean a lot more work coming up on the other side. So let's all get behind this and see what happens here over the weekend coming into the game on Monday. And remember, Detroit wasn't very good your entire life. All of a sudden, they're not world beaters. They're a good team. They look to be better on paper than the Raiders, but the Raiders have superstars on their team in Max and Devontae, and I hope that we get the wake-up call for Josh Jacobs and Josh has a good game. 
I doubt it. I hope I'm wrong because the numbers just show that Detroit is unbelievable against the run. And they try to take the running back out of the game and they play zone defense, as Coach mentioned in the conversation, and they play explosive defense on the back end. JT, when we come back, the Lincoln Kennedy segment. We'll have Lincoln Kennedy jump in and we'll get his opinions on what happened in Chicago. He's very blunt. And we'll look ahead to the Detroit Lions as we continue here live on a Friday. JT on the flagship brought to you by Tequila Commissario. I got to get that in. Tequila Commissario. Try it. It's the greatest tequila, I think. The platinum gold. Get the reserve. It's a little bit pricey, but it's worth it. And then all their other brands that are fantastic, including the Blanco. Thanks to the Maloof family for bringing me in, our proud partner here on the flagship of the Raiders. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union. JT, along with Eddie Pascal, now we get a chance to bring in the Pro Bowl of the great Lincoln Kennedy. And Link, great to see you. I'll jump right in. When I interviewed you on the pregame show in the booth, and you and I were there, all looked good. The weather was perfect. The Raiders had, I don't know how many pregame passes. i never seen that many on the road. It was like 400 people. Mark Davis, everyone in the organization smiling because the Aces, want, you know, all, everything was going great at that moment. What happened? <laughs> well, the the Raiders as a team forgot to show up, guys. I mean, it's just that simple. Look, w- when we went into Sunday, we we had the same sort of feeling that the Raiders on the roster side were top for bottom, top to bottom were better than the Bears. The Bears are building for the future. They've got you know a bunch of draft capital, if you will, um, already piled up. They're building for the future. So I thought. You know, you're starting a Division II quarterback that's never started again. I thought in all the injuries they had, I'm talking about the Bears, I thought the Raiders would would, would really open up this game plan and run away with this game early. Didn't happen. And the main reason it didn't happen is, let's just face it, guys, it comes out to attitude. I've said before, this game is 90% mental, 10% physical. All the guys that are out there on those football fields on both teams deserve to be there physically. They've shown in the past why they should be there. It's when you get up to game time how the inconsistencies flow. And just like Josh McDaniel said in his press conference, there's inconsistencies across the board. And it's and to me, look, it starts at the top, starts at coaching, and goes all the way down to the team. Coaches coach, players play. Though There were a number of players that didn't show up on Sunday and playing the Chicago Bears, in my opinion, guys. You know, like we heard from James Jones on the way back in about how Devontae was used so uh, regularly in that first quarter. And then after for the remainder of the game, and we look at Devontae in the first quarter, 48 yards, the rest of the game, nine. Link, from your perspective up in the booth, what was the Chicago defense doing to take him away after that first 15 minutes? Just like most of the other teams did. I mean, once they figured out your game plan, they made adjustments. They started playing tighter on Devontae and having a safety cover over the top because they still don't feel that there's a deep threat. And the pick six was a classic example from the Bears of why you have to make adjustments. You can't keep going to the well at the same time and think you're going to have the same turnouts. The the success that Devontae had in the first half, those quick outs, those timing routes, him and Jacoby Myers, both, 
that that was turned against him because the Bears came back and said, look, if this is what you're going to do, we're going to step on those routes. We're going to challenge you to go deep. And really, you you haven't had a chance. You haven't seen those shots. We need to see more shots deep to keep those safeties honest, to keep those corners honest. It's just not enough creativity, in my opinion, guys, towards the passing game. Now, one of the things I said, Lincoln, is some players in sports, Kareem had the sky hook. It was unguardable. You couldn't guard it. If he missed it, he missed it, but you couldn't guard it. Devontae on the down and in or the slant is absolutely unguardable because the safety isn't there. The safety's over the top. So I'd like you to elaborate more on that because we showed a B-roll of him catching a slant early, caught it three yards, cut up field for 11 or 12, unguardable, in between the linebacker, in between the corner, and then we don't see it again. And, and we catch his touchdowns at the goal line. They run that slant. It's unguardable. I don't know how you find something that works and you know it's unguardable. And then you get away from it. You want him to do toe taps and you want him to go over his shoulder and make these plays. There are some easy passes to get Devontae going even when there's adjustments. Yes, but the problem is, like, we'll, we'll talk about the two routes that you mentioned. We'll talk about the slant first. First and foremost, a slant is ineffective when you don't have a running game because there's a linebacker sitting right there. You can't throw the slant. If he doesn't respect the running game or doesn't appreciate the running game, you can't throw the slant. And the second, the second part of that is that even off of, off of play action, if play action isn't working, that slant's probably not going to be there. So more times than not, you don't want to use your star receiver up on a slant unless you know he can get there. The deep end, I'm going to take you back to the, to the game. I know you guys watched the Monday night game between the Vikings and the 49ers. The reason why the four, the Vikings got that end of the game interception is they're playing what you're seeing, what I'm seeing a lot around the league, that two safety look where there's one safety who's protecting the deep ball. There's another safety who's protecting those deep dig routes, those deep in routes. And that's exactly how Minnesota got interception. And that's what you're going to see against defenses until you, until you threaten that you can go deep or show that you're going to go deep. Those safeties aren't going to respect it. They're going to play up. They're going, they know that you like those deep ends between Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams. So they know that they're going to sit on those routes. There's a, I've only seen, for the most part, guys, this season, three routes that Devontae has ran. He's either ran a back shoulder throw, 50-50 ball, deep dig, which he almost got his head caught, uh, taken off a couple times, and a slant, which is very few minimal times because you don't have a running game. There has to be more elaboratism, creativity towards that, that passing game. And what I would like to see them do more are crossing routes. The only problem with that, crossing routes take time. And take time. You have to have offensive line protection. They haven't had that. So there's 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 a number of things that I've seen teams do when they're trying to protect their quarterback and also get a passing game. And I think the Raiders need to probably try to take on some of those things. Check and slip out to the flat, slip out to the hook route, take those quick check downs because everybody's backing up. Those are things that they can do to get yards just to matriculate themselves down the field. You know, Ling, JT and I were talking about that we're both in agreement that Brian Hoyer should have been the guy on Sunday afternoon. Yes. Gave the Raiders the best opportunity going in to that game at Soldier Field to come away with the W. Obviously, it doesn't go the way that he or Josh McDaniels or this entire Raiders offense wanted. We see Aiden O'Connell at the end of the game. Unfortunately, at that point, game's kind of out of reach. What did you see from the, uh, from the young rookie and his limited action, Link? Well, it's limited action. It's really hard to assess, Eddie. The thing is, is that going forward, what we're going to have to pay attention to is Aiden's internal clock. His mental clock. When he's back there passing the ball, is he ready to get rid of the football? Is he up on pre-snap reads? The thing that Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer have over him is that he they have the experience in the National Football League. They feel more comfortable with pre-snap reads. This offense is all about pre-snap reads. 
It's about the set. It's about the quarterback knowing where the safeties are. It's about the quarterback knowing how the corners are playing their receivers, whether it's outside uh, in coverage or inside out coverage. It's those things. So you know where to get rid of the football. Garoppolo had happy feet in the last game because he was worried about the rush. I know it to be true. I'm sure the same thing could be said about Hoyer, even though he's not as, as fleet-footed as Garoppolo. But as far as Aiden O'Connell's going, I think the future looks bright for the young man. You just have to get him more reps. And I'm like you guys. I felt that Brian Hoyer was the best move for the Raiders going forward because they were in the thick of things, of being at 500 at the time. I still say the same thing for Detroit. Detroit's a far better team than, than the Chicago Bears. And if they, if you go to Detroit with the mentality that you're going to be able to hold on to football or not have some more creativity towards your offense, then we're going to get our, belt, our butts kicked again. You know, Lincoln, Josh McDaniels' offense in the past was predicated on throwing it to the wide-open guy. I hate to make it that simple. Everyone says Brady, Brady, Brady. No. Brady threw to the guy who was wide open because Brady made the checks at the line of scrimmage. He was so locked in with Josh McDaniels that they just knew, if you got this coverage, get off of that, go to Gronk. If Gronk's doubled, you're going to go to Welker. And we're going to run it. Or we're going to do that. And they were perfect, literally perfect. And, of course, Brady made Josh McDaniels look better. But he called all those plays. I'm wondering now, you played with Rich Gannon. I, I remember Rich in those days in Oakland getting to the line of scrimmage. There was so much pointing and communication, Barrett Robbins talking to you, changing the plays, and then boom, Rich would pump fake. Remember, Rich would come, and he'd do this unbelievable pump fake hard, and the safeties would move, and then boom, he'd come back and someone's wide open. I don't see the communication, the talking. You talked about it, pointing, okay, this and that, and then... Throw a pump fake or a head fake to someone who's open. When is that going to start showing itself, Lincoln? When you have more confidence in your pre-snap reads. I mean, I think the, the I think it's there for for Garoppolo. I think he knows the offense well enough. But I also think that it comes down to protection. The fact is, is that if you do a three-step drop, for example, JT, you've got to get rid of the ball right now. The moment you get the snap, boom, 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 ball's out your hand. That's what it's got to do. The reason why this particular offense has been so successful in the past is because you've had a notable slot receiver. You've had a notable tight end. More importantly, you've had a quarterback who had the pre-snap reads who knew where how to get rid of the football. We haven't we haven't advanced to that before. You know, let's face it. You know, Hunter Renfro is virtually a no-show. We don't really throw out of the slot. Even if you were to take Devontae Adams like he was in Green Bay mm -hmm. and put him in the slot, and put him surrounded by the receivers gives him a better opportunity of getting open or having him move in motion has a better opportunity getting getting him open in places. So to answer your point, JT, yeah, throw to the wide receiver is obvious, and you would certainly like that. But I think the 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 complications come in the fact that the offensive line has been inconsistent. You don't feel that you have enough time. And for those those pump fakes that you're referring to for Rich Gannon, you know, we gave him enough time and he yeah. could take the strike on the long the long ball. He even uh, that's a version of play action. The pump fake is a version of play action. Action. But you've got to take your shots downfield. What, the Raiders have only done it, what, three times this season? Three, four times, if I'm not mistaken? Taking a shot over 20 yards? It, you don't threaten it. Why would defensive coordinators uh, uh, you know, respect it? You know, shifting to the other side of the ball, Link, the Raiders' defense comes back to earth in a pretty major way in Chicago. We were, JT and I were talking about the numbers. Uh, the rush defense, tough. Tough day at the office for them. 173 yards on the ground for the Bears. But it was the tackling, and it's something that we talked about coming into this, Link. It was the tackling, the lack of intensity. We're now about halfway through the regular season. How do you try to go about and remedy some of these fundamental type things as the Raiders go into Monday night? Make changes, put other people in there. It's that simple. I mean, look, when last year when the Raiders went to Alex Barr, for example, to play guard, 
they did it not because they were trying to send a message to the guards that were playing behind them that weren't playing well, all the guys that were on the roster. Alex Bars, to me, was a decent player, solid at best, but no way is he considered a starter mm-hmm. in the National Football League, in my opinion. Okay, so, you know, they 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 put up with that, and they still found a way to have the NFL's rushing champion. Um, the, the thing about it is that you have to find a way to bring out the intensity of these guys. They're professionals, so it, it should be saying without saying, but last week's effort was a flat performance, pale performance. And, and right now, Eddie and JT, I don't know if the defense that Patrick Graham is playing to stop the run is going to be good enough because – Let's face it, when you have your defensive front, all your defensive linemen, they had five defensive linemen against five offensive linemen for the Bears, they still couldn't get any penetration. They still couldn't win the one-on-one matchups, and it's still the Bears still average almost six yards of carry. Yeah, the most frustrating thing for me before we get to Detroit is what happened in the middle of the field with the Raiders' tackles. We had a signature play to close out the Patriots, a safety sack. You can't ask for anything more for your defense to look at on tape, go out to dinner, have that moment with each other, the camaraderie, look at this play, look at how good we are. This is what we can do, and now we're showing lowlights of no one there. I mean, literally, how many tackles did the safeties have to make? Because the corners couldn't make them, and especially the interior line. Diablo went out, Lincoln, as we know, and they're not that strong at linebacker, but Spillane's had a couple of strong games. I want to follow up on your point. What do you do? I mean, you, you want to bench some guys. The whole talk around this town is Marcus Peters. The Fox broadcast pointed him out. We know what he's getting in this building. He's got to be getting some heat because every fan's calling me saying, why, why won't he tackle? Where you got to make a decision if you're going to bench someone. And do you have someone better? If Nate Hobbs is not available and Jacorian Bennett's not playing, uh, who are you going to go to? Are you going to be? You want to win the game. So when do we get to the point if someone's not doing their job? they get benched for someone else on the practice squad who might be able to do it better. Well, that's that's kind of a loaded question, JT, because the thing is that you can't necessarily rely on the practice squad or the free agent market to find those capable players. The problem a lot of times I've felt when you go heavy in the free agency or you involve free agents is that it's going to be up to them whether or not they want to play a lot, a play or not. Most of the time, these guys just want to take the money. Maybe they're at the end of the career. I'm not saying that's the case for Marcus Peters, but I have seen an abysmal, abysmal performance uh, from over the last couple of games. And I've left my hat scratching like, dude, what's going on with him? Uh, I thought he might want to be here, but you can't. You know, it's un, it's unfortunate, JT and Eddie, but you really cannot motivate a player to play in this on this division. Other times you had, you have the luxury of having depth. You have the luxury of releasing a guy. You don't have necessarily that luxury now. And there are players I've been around in locker rooms that think they're they're above the law. They they can do what they want when they want. That's really that's a real bad you know sort of toxicity that can pass around a locker room. But to answer your question, that that goes back to attitude. It's it, to me, and I kind of equate it like bl- the run blocking. If I'm up front and I know that I want to run the football, I'm going to push the guy that I'm uh, I'm responsible with out of the way mm-hmm. because I'm going to go back and say, look, you saw me, we, we ran the football, right? And we got him blocked. That's the way it happens. The same thing goes with tackling. Tackling is a matter of attitude. It's got to, you don't want your safeties being your leading tacklers on the football field. You understand that. You would much rather have it be your linebackers or your defensive line. But the Raiders haven't had that luxury in quite some time. You know, like I know each guy is, is so unique and it, it kind of has to be a case by case, case by case basis. But when you look at veterans in a locker room, how much coachability is, is there in terms of what these guys are receptive to, what they're willing to hear? Because, you know, we hear about guys like Max, who are the, the ultimate coachable guy. 
guy who's accomplished so many things in this league but wants to get better. In, in your opinion, Link, are guys who have been in the league for a minute, who have succeeded, who have accomplished some really good things, do they remain coachable those latter years of their career? Depends on the coach, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, Eddie. I've had coaches that said stuff to me that I just looked at them crazy, like that doesn't even make sense, so I'm not going to pay attention to it. I've also had coaches that taught me stuff, and really I could, I felt that I was learning something every time I heard them speak or coach up a point. So to your point, Eddie, it depends on the coach, and it depends on the individual. I honestly believe coaching on the National Football League the level is over I mean, is overrated in the sense where guys are set in their ways on how they're going to play. It's up to a coach in the National Football League to find a system or a, a number of plays that can I can take a best advantage of what this guy does best and how he does it best. And okay, now let's see if I can make it a team effort, take advantage of what they can do best. If it comes a receiver, hey, maybe he runs a post route like nobody else. I've got to find a way to get him to run those post routes and get open and get him the football, those types of things. But when it comes to things like tackling, I know every team kind of practices their little version of tackling these days without going live. I get it. But it's all about attitude, mental attitude. How bad do you want this? That's something that you can't coach. That has to come from within, that inner drive. And if you're not getting that by the end of the season, you're not seeing that out of that player, that's when you have to cut them loose. All right, guys, let's look ahead to Detroit. And both teams were humbled. All week long on radio, people are saying, well, what happened to Detroit? And Detroit, the Raiders were humbled just as much as Detroit. The Raiders were actually in the game more than Detroit. The first three series, Lamar Jackson scored, and Detroit went three and out. The game was over in the first quarter. They had no chance, and they got blocked and pushed around, and Dan Campbell is more of a rah-rah guy with the media than Josh McDaniels, and he's going to get them all fired up. We know that. But Lincoln, Detroit did not look good, and I would rather play this Detroit team that got dominated than the Detroit team that beat Baltimore by 30. Okay, They put it on tape. So when you played in your career and you saw a really good team that you were playing next on tape, play so poorly did that energize you saying hey we can do that we can beat that team that looks better than us or did you say man that's a wounded animal man they're gonna come in fired up even more that's the attitude i think you need to take i think you need to take the attitude that they're wounded wounded animal and they're gonna play very hard you've got to match that intensity that the fact is and you guys already hit on it you need someone else on defense the number 98 it, it has to be someone else someone else has to rise to the occasion and get these guys fired up and get these guys amped up if it Swooping doesn't do it to you, then I don't know what will, to be honest with you guys. Uh, but the, the truth of the matter is that back in my day, when uh, I, I took every opponent the same because it was inbred in me at a very early age in college, Coach John, Don James used to talk up every opponent. Didn't matter their win-loss. Every opponent was a gangbuster. Every opponent was going to be the David to your Goliath. And every opponent that we played, no matter the record, was going to try to beat the snot out of you. And that's the attitude the Raiders need to take. Look, they've got 10 games left. And I'm not saying throw up the panic flag. I'm not saying surrender at all. You know, watch the season away. They still have a chance. But they have to learn how to win. And they have to learn how to win against good teams. The Bears weren't a good team. For them to take a loss against the Bears was disheartening. They got to learn to show me that they're going to have to bounce back. You're going to have to travel to Detroit, play on Ford Field, play on national TV. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that the guys that are on the active roster when it comes game day, Raider-wise, rise up to the occasion and really showcase their talents and play like they've got a pair rather than going out, just going out like they did. You know, Link, I'm glad you brought up the fact that this game is on Monday Night Football. The Raiders get an extra day of rest and rest, and, excuse me, an extra day of preparation going against a really good Lions team, certainly a Lions team that didn't have their best, uh, their best stuff last week. But 
And from a player's perspective, Link, do you like having this extra day after a really tough game on Sunday? Or do you say, hey, I want to get right back at it Sunday, 1 o'clock, and, and we got to be ready to rock? No, your body is is used to recovery, a co- recovering amount, a certain amount of days. So, you know, it's it's going to be a long weekend if you have to play on Monday night. The reason is you're watching Thursday night football, you're watching Friday night lights wherever wherever you are. Saturday, all day Sunday, then you have all day Monday. You have to wait till it's a long week. Trust me when I tell you mm-hmm. when you have to play on Monday night. It's something that you're looking forward. The reward is the fact that you're playing in front of a sold out audience. Everybody in the world is going to be watching. You have the chance to showcase your talents. This is where you get those Pro Bowl votes like Chester McLaughlin used to tell me, may you rest in peace. Um, but, you know, this is this is a, a stage where the Raiders can really bounce back and show a good effort. Same thing for the Detroit Lions. After being embarrassed, look, Campbell's got these guys thinking, Coach Campbell's got these guys thinking that they're ready to make a Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. I think Detroit is a capable uh, playoff ca- caliber team can maybe win a game or two in the, in the playoffs. I'm not ready to anoint them Super Bowl champs or say they're on the way, but I think they're a good football team and they're solid on both sides of the ball. So the Raiders, this is a good test for the Raiders. It really is. Yeah, it's a great test. And again, Detroit hasn't been good for the majority of our life of our life, Lincoln's entire career, even when Barry Sanders was great, they weren't very good. They don't win a lot. And how do they have the right to be better than the Raiders when the Raiders were better than them two years ago? I mean, they haven't gone leaps and bounds, I would hope, with a team that has Max Crosby, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs. You go player for player here. The Raiders got players who can stand up and start on that Detroit roster. Detroit's just got more depth, and they're playing better. We're going to go and have a discussion now, Lincoln, with the – NFL trade deadline, and I think this is a really big deal. I'm wondering from your perspective on the players that we could potentially bring in, because I think Dave likes draft picks, and I think he wants to stockpile picks because of this upcoming draft. So if he gets an extra sixth or a fifth, he can use that. He just showed us that. Last year, he can do it. He can package picks and go up. But, Lincoln, what happens if there's a right tackle available that's on the market that's better than the right tackles we have here. Why wait for the draft and free agency next year? Maybe go get them now. Well, I mean, good question, uh, JT. I would say this. I don't know of all the potential guys who are mm-hmm. available and at the at positions, but to your point, if there was a right tackle available that say that you were, you were salivating or thought, thought, thought you could add value to the team, who do you trade for him? How much are you willing to mm-hmm. give up for him? You know what I mean? What are teams asking? I know a lot of teams around the National Football League know that the Raiders are desperate, desperate for wins. If you're Josh McDaniels with all the 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 the, the banter and fodder that are going around by possibly him being on his way out, you're trying to turn things around. And there are holes on this team. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. There are holes on this team. This team does not have as much depth as we would like at pretty much any position uh, uh, on the football team. However, how much are you going to have to give up to get that player? That's the thing. And then to your point, most general managers, JT, are building draft off, I mean, building commodities off a of draft. Yes. That's their capital. They're using draft picks as their capital. And it's, it's a thing you're right to do. But as, at the same point, you have to make that hard decision. Like, who am I getting rid of? Who am I prepared to trade? Because you know that team wants, uh, wants something. And what am I having to give up? You don't want to give up your first round pick because they're definitely going to need it, uh, or your second round picks. More times than not, we've seen this team sort of make a, a way for itself with its fourth and uh, fifth round picks and on and third and some of the third round picks. They need all the help they can get. 
you know, like I'm with you where the, the price has to be right. There yeah. has to be that kind of delicate balance of what are we giving away to what are we having come back here in this building. But hypothetically, if we live in this world, the Raiders do make a move for player X, let's say. What are the realistic expectations that, that you can have trying to integrate a guy into your system, whether that's offense or defense, midway through the NFL season? Well, you're hoping that the guy can come in and have an immediate impact or at least plug the hole in what you traded for. I mean, you're not drafting because you've got a ton of capital. I'm not, I'm not going out there necessarily trying to draft another receiver. I got receivers. I'm not trying to draft tight ends. I've got tight ends. I do need a right tackle. I need a right guard. You know, I need other players on the defensive side. But if, if, if I have to, if the price is too high to give up, Eddie, it's not worth it. Yeah. CBS.com put up a bunch of veterans on the trade block that we'll show here. And, and Kirk Cousins is one of them, but they just won. Uh, Chase Young from Washington. Leonard Williams of the Giants really jumps out at me. You want to talk about a void here. Mm-hmm. That, that could clean up a big void, but he'll be expensive. I don't think the Raiders need Adam Thielen and Jerry Judy. They're not, they're not looking for that. they got plenty of receivers here, and they might move Hunter Renfro for obvious reasons. And I can promise you, Trent Brown's not coming here. I can promise you that. So with the names that are out there, it's, it's slim pickings here. We're not going to get Derrick Henry. But these are guys that could be available because, as Eddie and I were talking, there's buyers and sellers. And if you look at baseball and the NBA, I love the trade deadline as a sports talk radio host. Man, it's great. It gives you a couple of days to just say, hey, this is what you can do. It doesn't happen much in football because in football, the guaranteed money is already paid. The signing bonus is already paid. Basically, a Russell Wilson is going to have the biggest dead cap hit in the history of the league. You can't go and make moves like that. So basically you're trading guys for a six-round pick or a fifth-round pick or you're trying to move people out of your locker room because you're losing and they're going to be a cancer, and that doesn't seem to be the case here. But with other teams out there, I just think if Dave Ziegler sees one, one player that he says, I'm going to have on my roster for two more years. I'm going to get him in here. I'm going to trade for him. I'm going to get him in our culture, and then I'm going to give him an extension, and we're going to have that player. I hope he looks at that. If not... I don't think they're going to clean house here, Lincoln, but go get some draft picks and play with the guys you got. Yeah, I think you're, I think that's the case. The latter is for, mm-hmm. for this team, JT, is play with the guys you have. The fact of the matter is that if you bring in a guy, he's got to get acclimated to your system, the way you're calling plays and everything else. Not to say it can't happen, but I just think at this particular time, with uh, being close to the trade deadline, if you try to make a play now, if I pick up, if I'm a general manager from any other team and I pick up a call from the Raiders, I know you're desperate. You're three and four. You did, have not scored over 20 points. Uh, offensively, have not scored over 20 points. You got over 20 points at the behest of a safety. So I know that you're desperate. So I'm going to ask for the cat's meow. I'm going to ask for everything as a general manager, as much as I think I possibly can get and make it reasonable. If I feel that I'm going to lose this player, that you're you're inquiring about, but more importantly, what can I gain on the other end? We're going to save the best for last Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. Unbelievable. Incredible. You know, I go back to Jim Plunkett, who won the Rose Bowl MVP. I've been to the Rose Bowl. I've seen their Wall of Fame, if you haven't seen it, and their MVPs and all the great players. Oh, there he is. Look at this Look at that. Lincoln, (laughs) I know how you played in college. Tell me how you got the news. Was it a phone call? Did someone come in with a camera? And how big of an honor is this, not only for you, but your family? 
Well, I mean, it's a tremendous honor, first of all, and thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm humbled. You know, the Rose Bowl is regarded as the granddaddy of them all, and and it's one that's been around. It's the oldest bowl game. And I've had the privilege of playing in three. I wouldn't have been able to get there if it wasn't for my coaches and my teammates, but it's just an incredible honor when you think about the history. You guys know I'm big on history. I'm a history buff, and I'm, I'm huge on that. So when you talk about the conference, the collection of the conference of the Pac-12 and what's happening in the world of college sports with that, the history that's going away to be forever enshrined in the remembrance of a, such a great tradition, a great history is a tremendous honor. But I got I got a phone call and mm-hmm. I, I I sat down on my couch and I was blown away. I, I couldn't believe that I was a part of something as big as this. So it's it's a great honor and I'm very humbled. Pac-12 legend Lincoln Kennedy, baby. That's right. Conference of Champions, Link. That's right. That's right. That guy, wow. Lincoln Kennedy, owes me some money. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to you know collect what? pretty soon. When I think of that game, for our viewers and listeners back east, they'd wait around all day for the Rose Bowl. And then you'd see the flyover, right? And oh, you'd yeah. see the parade. And just incredible. And I lived in L.A. for 10 years. And when I took my kids, and we would sit there and tell them about the history of the game. But for you, give me a memory. Give me one that you just remember a moment of looking up and seeing how enormous that bowl is, how big the mountains behind, the, the bus ride into the game. Why were you at your best playing in that game? Well, Pasadena is definitely picturesque. It, it's one of the highlights of Los Angeles. I would say this, that Don James got us prepared to play in the Rose Bowl by saying that, you know, what our responsibility, what we wanted to do, the, the goal that we were trying to achieve every year was to win the, the conference, the Pac-10 at the time, and go to the Rose Bowl, represent. That, back in the day before the playoff, met the Big, Big Ten champion mm. versus the Pac-10 champion. And, it, you know, it kind of revolved around that. So it was a tremendous honor. I had the privilege of playing all of my Christmas holidays in Los Angeles. The first one was in the Freedom Bowl when we played against Florida and the Emmett Smith and beat them in, in Anaheim. And then the last three were Rose Bowls. And it was, it was just, it, it was, a great memory. My greatest memory, I would say, was the first Rose Bowl we played against Iowa, and the very first play I think that we called. Uh, it was it was early in the game. If it wasn't the first play, was a counter trail, and I pulled from the. I was on the right side. I pulled from the right over to left, and I just pancaked the linebacker. <laughs> and Darius Turner was a, a running back who ran the ball, who got some big yards, jumped up and was yelling. He was like, "Yeah, did you see that run?" I said, "Yeah, Darius, you see that hit? That linebacker's on his." That's what I did for you, bro. I mean, so it was times like that that are off the reward. But, you know, going back to JT and Eddie, it's just a tremendous honor. I'm, I've got Rosewell paraphernalia here up, mm-hmm. hanging up in my office. I'm looking at one of the things right now. And that roster, I told everybody that 1991 roster, when we uh, won um, the national championship, a share of it, I told everyone, I said, I don't think we really knew how good we were, but we were tired of hearing other people tell, tell us how good they are. So we want to go out and show them. And that's what we did. Wow, Lincoln. Congratulations again. We'll see you Thank soon. You. Unbelievable segment as always on Raiders Roundtable. And enjoy that great, great accomplishment. See you next week. Thank you, guys. Take care. That's it for me, JT. Thanks for listening, everybody, to this hour and to all our hours here on the flagship station of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. If you missed anything, you can podcast it and find it at lvsportsnetwork.com. And we got a new website. And then they've been working hard to build up our website to make it a little bit easier for you as we continue on and hope the Raiders bring their A game on the road. The Motor City of Detroit, Monday Night Football, taking on the Detroit Lions.